Hi there, welcome to an episode of an Inside View podcast in association with On The Ball Team Building. I'm your host, Jamie Finn. If this is your first time listening, please do go back to episode one and have a listen. If you haven't done so already, please do click subscribe. There is a business or sports person in each of us, and we hope that our guest stories will help our listeners to chase their dreams. Hi everyone, welcome to episode 10 of series 3 of an Inside View podcast with On The Ball Team Building. Big shout out again to Shire Baron Cafe for the continued support, we really appreciate it guys. Also a special mention to Dubai based ready made meal company Fit Meals whom we have teamed up with for this series. Their ready made meals are so convenient and are definitely not to be missed. Be sure to check out an Inside View podcast Instagram page to avail of a discount. It is now time to ring on this week's guest and I'm delighted to be joined by Dubai based Irish businesswoman Sharon O'Keefe. As a former Emirates hostess, the time she spent in different countries around the world ignited her passion, which led to the emergence of the luxury furniture design atelier. The design house from the hills of Kerry to immigrating to Dubai to work with Emirates spend a numerous amount of years travel around the world and ultimately ending up setting up her own business here in Dubai there is no doubt we have a huge amount to cover with Sharon so let's bring her on so hi Sharon thanks very much for taking time out to come on the inside view podcast this is something we trying to get over the line for a long time i know you're very very busy so i do appreciate you coming you just came for a meeting um to to fit fit this in so how is everything how's life for you oh, it's good thanks so much jamie so happy to be here as you said it took a while to get to this point but we're here now good 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 and look how is how's life for you um i believe you've just recently fully invested into the design house yeah it's funny this meeting like just comes at the perfect time for example, I've worked obviously full time for Emirates for ten years, and I handed in my notice last Thursday, so it's all done oh, and dusted. Whoa. Yeah, so normally you have to work a month, but I didn't do it, so it was just immediate resignation. So brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. So I think we've a lot to, to talk about. Um, without without delaying it, I'm just going to get straight into it. Um, it. So as you said, you were uh, you're a cabin crew for Emirates. Unfortunately, like every other industry during COVID, um, it was hit. Uh, did this kind of feed in and did you use this time to your advantage in order to grow the, the design house? Or what, what was that time like for you? So COVID for me was an absolute blessing. It was like a very definitive moment in the career of the design house. Um, I was able to really focus on the business as opposed to just mm-hmm. working in it all the time. Because, as you know, like when the day-to-day runnings are going, it's very difficult to focus on what's the expansion that you'd like to go for, like what's your next move, because you're so busy dealing with the day-to-day tasks. So COVID, I mean, I was locked in my apartment for two months here. Were you here at that point? No, I was still back in Ireland, but yeah, was, I, I believe it was... Uh, intense. Intense, yeah. Like... It was you couldn't even leave, so yeah, it was brilliant. Plus, I like to work, so it worked grand. <laughs> <laughs> so, can you just bring us through? With, let's just delve into that moment. Um, what when COVID hit? What stage was the design house at at that point? So, when COVID hit, it was in the December of twenty nineteen. 
I realised that, so just prior so to this, in 2017, mm-hmm. I established the company and I was an interior designer. So I used to go into homes and decorate them and do all the lovely stuff to make them look nice. And then I realised that, okay, this is a nice business. However, if I really want to grow the business and I'm just one person, I need to establish a product base. So this is where I started looking into, like, what can I do? And then I realised, okay, I have difficulty manufacturing certain items. That means other people probably have the same. And then I started studying these items. And then it was in 2019, just before COVID, I visited, like, multiple manufacturers. And then I took a line in a manufacturing facility here. Where, where are the manufacturing... I have uh, all my factories in Dubai. Oh, whoa. Well, not all of them now. Obviously, I've expanded since then, but... All my furniture is in Dubai. And there are, excuse my uh, ignorance now, but they're all like produced and made here. Like you, you don't just get them, you bring them in, they're all made here. Made they? here, fully. So like everything from the drawing to the structure to the upholstery, the only thing of, that's important is fabric for some of them. Oh. Yeah. So when COVID hit, I already had this line set up. So it was like the perfect pause to be like, what am I going to focus on now? course you can imagine what I thought I was going to do and what I've done <laughs> yeah. very different. but at that point I used to sit daily at the computer I also like started developing the website mm-hmm. it was a lot of this that I spent during that time yeah and let's take another step back from that and just we set the scene um you said you were an interior designer but at the same time you were um you used to work with Emirates yeah so can you bring us through let's start from scratch and you were a social worker before that. So how does <laughs> how does the, the line connect? Um, so let's bring it back. Before you moved over to Dubai, you were obviously in Ireland. Um, you are working in, in, in social care. You are a social worker. Do you want to bring us through that journey and how you ended up here? Yeah, so after I graduated, I was in college. I got a job in Limerick and I was a social care worker. And I loved it there. I really did. Like It really all ties together because the girl I lived with in Limerick Janine Collins, we came on a holiday here in 2012, March, for St. Patrick's Day. Like seven of us came out here and her sister, Elaine Collins, lived here. So little did I know then that 10 years later, she'd be one of my best friends. So we stayed with her, we had a great time and I went back to Ireland. I'm back into social care. And a friend of mine who I knew from Cork was going to interview for Emirates in Limerick. And I was like, I don't like flying. I'm afraid of it. I don't really want to go with this, but I'll go with you for the day to see what it's like. And Emirates, like, the interview is a process where they just select you, like, kind of superficially at the beginning, and then it goes into more in-depth, right? Because obviously they're a brand and they want to yep. assault you like a certain way, which I appreciate as well. Um, and I went, and anyway, next thing I know, they're like, would you like to work for us? Whoa. And I was like, um, okay. Fast forward six months, October 26, 2012, I left and this started. And then, do you want me to talk about the whole thing? Yeah, yeah, so it, it started, uh, you you ended up go, um, getting employed by Emirates. At what stage then did, we say, the design house come about? So, like, you've just moved here yourself now, right? Yes. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of, like, it's a really fun city, like, it's amazing. I love living here. Too fun at times. Too fun, right? <laughs> yeah. So with Emirates, you have so much time off that obviously I was used to doing such a fulfilling job in Ireland, being a social care worker. Like there was real depth to it. So when I started flying, it was a lot of fun and I had a lot of time off. It's like I didn't really have a purpose. Mm. I was like, okay, I like flying, but 
I was like, I can do more than this, like on my days off and things like that. And I kind of started to think, okay, what can I do? I was here about nine months. I started to intern for a company that did events okay. on my days off. And I was like, okay, let me see. Because I knew I didn't want to be crew forever. It's such a fun job that I was like, okay, let's see what I can do on the side. So I started to intern for this company. That didn't go too far. I did some events with them and stuff like this. But I started to see how businesses run here and ideas. So this idea of me doing something on the side started very early on. The design house that we know now started about five years ago. Um, I had come back from Ireland. We'd done up our family home. And I remember thinking, oh, that's really nice. But I always knew I wanted to work for myself as well. But it's fitting in like... What do I want to do? Like, what's that skill you have that you don't know you have that you can sell effectively? You know, what does someone else need that you have that they don't have? And right? how did you unravel that? You know what? This didn't come easy. And everyone asked me this. How did you start? So I knew I wanted to do something else, but I didn't know what I could do. So in 2016, I made it a structure that I would wake up every morning at 5 a.m., and I would start a day filled of like structure. So I would do gym, planning, and then I would sit and try and work out what are my strengths? What do I not know that I'm actually good at? And I realized, okay, so I'm good at planning, I'm good at structuring, style. Okay, some may say not, you know what I mean? But it's like, this is what I have. And I started a business back then that was different. It was like styling, organizing in different sectors. And then I was like, okay, interior design is the one I want to work on. So I studied this then during a course when I was with Emirates. And from there I started the interior design. So like, it didn't just happen overnight that I was like, I'm going to be an interior designer. It's like, it came through figuring out what I was good at. And that's something you did at that time rather than some people might only do that in their 50s, you know, um, kind of a self, uh, self-assessment self as to where they are in their life. Um, and I, I'd like to just kind of we'll say delve into that a bit more because I do think people will take something from this and I do think it it's quite important for people to maybe you know take time step a step back sometimes and analyse where they are um, how did the design house and how does it differ now than it, the purpose it was set up for you know obviously when you set it up you had a vision you thought where it would go does it differ much know as to what you initially planned so what we do as a company so for example when we started it was obviously interior design yep now I deliver a product but my end goal even when I was an interior designer was to give something to the customer that they couldn't get for themselves why they come to us is we provide a solution to them, okay? But it's in, in an intimate form. Like, we really need to understand what they're trying to achieve. So a sofa, obviously, is just a sofa. Mm-hmm. But if you think, okay, who is your family? What do you want it for? What's your budget? Um, like, are you going to be able to replace it next year? Um, what are the differences between you and your husband? It's not just, here's a sofa, buy that. It really goes into it. And, like, that is how I think, that's our USP, actually. Our USP is that we really get to know our customers. And even to this day, I would speak to all of them. Even if they come in through one of the staff, at some point I would touch base with them. How was your experience? Was your sofa delivered nice? Um, there would be some communication. Um, 
so how it started it was just me yep. and even now it's still the same service they get it's just a different service they're getting if that makes sense so you, do you have a team which you know at the moment or it's just yourself yeah no so now I have a team okay. like so if we want to go back to during COVID I had a year so when COVID hit obviously Emirates like did their absolute best to keep as many as they could yep. I was very fortunate to be one of the ones kept however they offered voluntary unpaid leave and of course my hand was the highest in the crowd <laughs> pick me pick me so I was chosen thank God and I actually ended up not working from March 2020 to September 21 so it was like 18 months off to really push the business and during this time I did I worked really really hard like I came back to train for Emirates in August sorry in July 2021 and I opened the showroom on the 30th of June 2021. Jeez. It all happened literally bang together. And like training for Emirates, they're the best at what they do because it's intense, the training. I had to go back training for two weeks and the showroom had only opened the day before. And at this point, it was still only me. So I had to really quickly gather a team of people to be like, okay, we need to, now, you know, we have a, a showroom. I need a team. But you had to develop it and you basically had to hand it off to someone and go training for those two weeks. Actually, I didn't. I used to go to training in the morning at 7 to 3, change from my uniform, go to work. <laughs> I used to cha- change in the training college and like drive down the car, uniform hanging in the back, hidden, of course, <laughs> and yeah, go to work, yeah. So this drive and determination must come from something or somewhere. Usually there's a link. So is there any moment or any people that would influence you in your in your in your childhood or in your teenage years that you can date back that's why you are the type of person you are today yeah so drive and determination I think it's something you kind of have in you at times as well most people would say but there's no denying it my father has the exact same work ethic I mean I literally had a call with him coming down here when I was in the car coming this evening and uh, he sounded really busy like he's pulling half the house apart as we speak right <laughs> and we're having a reunion in Kerry on the 30th we're all going to be home. And he's like, I should have it done now in three weeks sharing the floors. I'm like, dead. There's people <laughs> that will do this stuff for you, you know? And then I'm like, I didn't make it off stone. Right? So it's definitely, it, it would be a lot of my dad. But then there's other people, I suppose, along the way who I met that really influenced me. Look, we've been chatting here now in the last 20 minutes. And the big thing that stand out, stands out to me is that you're extremely driven, focused and motivated and you are very aware of your feelings and what drives you, what really pushes your buttons. Um, what would you say to people are, from your experience, what have you seen that helps you to, to do that self-reflection and allows you to get to this stage to basically set up your own business and, and have grown it? Oh, that's a really good question. Um... So, I told you, I challenge you. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not <laughs> <laughs> just talk about Rathmore, no? no. <laughs> Growing up on a farm. <laughs> so, for, for me, like when the design house started, as I told you, like when I was in Dubai, it's a fabulous city, but I wasn't fulfilled. So, I had to ask myself, like, what's missing? And this didn't come easy. Like, it's not like I just decided I'm going to start this. It took a long process. First of all, I suppose it's identifying what's missing right and then you have to want to do that as well 
Like it, and I bet if we spoke to the people that were in my life at that time, they probably thought like I was a bit mad. Like you, re- I put a lot of focus into figuring out what I wanted to do. Like when you don't know what you want to do, it's like why are you sitting there with a journal for like two hours? It doesn't. And I still have those. And when I look back on those, and I did so, I'm like in the last few months of flying, I used to take them on my flight. And when I was in the lounge, I used to read them. Like, um. I want to style this, I want to do this. And I had like these kind of outlines of what I kind of wanted to do. Did I ever think it would be this today? No. Did you, you, t- you said something there you didn't know what you wanted to do. At what point made you sit down and realize I need to, I know you said you were over here and you said you kind of a lack of fulfillment of purpose. At what point, or was there a moment that you were like, you know, I need to sit down, I need to really start and focus on what I want to do for the rest of my life or what really um, ignites me and excites me because I do think this is important because you have a lot of people that are just going Monday to Friday one day to one day to one day and they don't do the self-reflection or self-awareness so I remember I was on a flight and I was like I'm going back to Ireland I was like this is just not for me like I really only started adoring flying after I started this business like flying for me became fun and a hobby it made no difference really if it was there or not but it was great I got to escape and go on lovely flights but prior to this when I was going on flights I was coming off I knew I didn't want this career for the rest of my life okay so like we're two years in and I'm thinking okay I still have the HSE thing like do you want to come back to work for us and I have me being like, okay, I have a lovely, fun life here. But then, you know, the grass is always greener kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Like, I was how old at the time? 27. Still so young, right? But I have watching people at home, like, settling down, almost having kids at that stage, right? And I'm looking at like, going, what are you doing, Sharon? Are you going to continue this for the next 10 years? Or are you going to think about what you actually want to do? Plus, we had so many days off that I was like, you can do so much at this time. Like, we would land from a flight. So, so many brunches you can do, like... Uh... So many things, right? And plus, not only that, like, it's like you work seven hours, right? You fly to our country, and you have a day off, or maybe two days off. Mm -hmm. And then you fly back seven hours, and you have maybe three days off. So it's like you work 14 hours, but you have five days off. It was like there's huge potential to do something during this time. But I just didn't know what. How did you start unraveling that thought? Was it just literally you get a journal or what do you start doing? Or? Um, I remember at the time there were some people like there was a guy called Ty Lopez, there was a guy called Robin Sharma, these people that were like, discover your why. I remember sitting down the first time so I was like, I have no idea what I'm good at. And then it's like sometimes you don't know what you don't know, if that makes sense. Yep. So you don't know that you don't know that you're organized or like these things, you know. Or that it's a skill that necessarily maybe you have that someone else is like, I wish I could do that. So I had to, I had to really sit down. There, it makes no sense, those journals that I started with. It's like, what am I good at? What do other people need? What can I sell? This is literally how it started. Was it more just time. a brain dump? So it's such brain like, dump. yeah. Brain dump. Like the first thing I started was a thing called SNO. And I remember I put a, a note on the back of the toilet in Alberari, if they're listening now. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember I got my first line from that. Fab lady, she really. What'd you say? Yes and no? Yeah. Styled and organised. You just wrote that, was it? Well, I didn't actually. I designed a logo and Fiverr, and like, this is how it started, right? 
on the back of a toilet door. And then I was like, okay, got my first sign from this, first income. Oh, you saw it in the back of a toilet door, was no, it? No, I put my sign on the back of a oh, toilet right, door. Oh, yeah. right, 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 <laughs> brilliant. And I put that sign on the back of a toilet door. And then I got a client from that. We actually, her hers was really nice. She, you got a claim from the door of a toilet? Yeah. Brilliant. She reached out to me and again, like, you know, social care obviously was what I did in Ireland, right? But in every single line of business that comes into it, like even a conversation I have with a client today and her story is probably one of the most special stories, there's always a link to this. Because essentially, what is social care? You help someone, right? Mm. So what do I still do now? In another way, I help someone. So this lady came to me and she's like, I need you to help me plan a wardrobe for a trip to Paris. We're staying in the Ritz and all this stuff. I was like, let's go, right? So you, you, don't, only, you don't only do interior design, you, you do other this elements? This was back so. when I just started. Like, all right, okay. Exactly, this brain dump, what can I do? I can organize something. So I was like, let me organize this. That's what I mean, like what we have today didn't start anything like this. Um, and I organized this lady's wardrobe. Packed up a suitcase for her. It took weeks to do it. Like It was like a whole entire like two, day, two outfits a day. It was fab. But her story was like so much more than this. It was that she had a, a marriage that was going downhill and she needed help. And by the end of it, she reached out to me about a year later and she's like, Sharon, I'm really happy that you gave me back the confidence to go on this trip to Paris. And, you know, things are back on track. That time when you were working with, with Emirates, um, what did you, I, I know that, door has closed and you, you're going to, you're going on to fully focus on the, the design house but what skills and what did you learn perhaps during that time with Emirates that you that you have applied and you will apply to, to the design house or have you made contacts through that through that time I'd imagine you came across a lot of interesting people say the least <laughs> <laughs> um like I suppose I can't go and say like I I love Emirates like, it really took a lot for me to cut that cord. It was, I thought it would be more difficult, but it just came to a point where I just couldn't do both anymore. And they were just the best 10 years. They really were, like, I mean, they're so, they're huge, like, for me, like, obviously. And I owe so much to them. And I think every person you talk to will say, like, I literally wear an I Heart Emirates t-shirt, especially the 380, which is what I worked for, like, so many years. So Emirates teach you discipline like you can't go to a check-in if you're checking at 12 and you turn up at 1201 that flight's not there no more um you have to be where you need to be at a certain time uh there are no excuses they don't accept non-attendance so discipline with emirates um that's probably the the biggest thing which i take away from them obviously there's so many more skill sets that they give you you travel the world you're so seasoned by this stage. I mean, I don't know what country I haven't seen. I don't know what nationality people I haven't met. Like, and for the last eight years, seven years, I've worked, no, it's not eight, nine years, I've worked in business class and I never moved from there because I used to only work on the 380, which was the double-decker plane. So the position I worked constantly was the lounge. Have you seen this? No. Okay, right. Yeah, and I don't. I talk about it like people should know. You know, I'm like, you know, the lounge, the bar, and the aircraft. I'm from Scotland. I'm from Kerry, right? I'm never going to say something like that. <laughs> or West Kerry, I should say. <laughs> and being from Rathmore, you know, we always like, what is it, like Ryanair, Aer Lingus, right? So then you come over to Emirates, and they're like, we have a double decker plane. I'm like, we don't even have those buses in Kerry. There's no planes, right? So I worked this position. So at the back of the aircraft, 
It's like a lounge, a full lounge, a bar area with sofas and TVs. It's a different level, which is what I mean. Like flying for Emirates wasn't just like flying for an ordinary airline. It was a position that I worked in where all of first class and business class used congregate. So I was in the perfect position for networking. There wasn't a flight I came off who I didn't meet. Like I made so much business there. Like, you know, like someone was sitting on a sofa. I was like, do you need one of those for your house? Or <laughs> Just contacts, connections. And it didn't have to be selling. I'm only joking about that. But it was like, okay, so you fly, you're flying business. You have your own business. How did you do it? I did the exact same thing you're doing to me now. I did to all of these people. Like, how did you start it? What did you do? Why did you do that? And I learned so much from there as well. Um, along, of course, all the fab people that you met, like, you know. Um, so you would have made contacts through that and it would really open your mind and been the fact you've been in business class and and, uh, and first class you would have got to see the, the interior and all that and even like taking another step back from that going to different countries you would have seen the interiors in different countries and you would have dealt with different, different cultures subconsciously that was all feeding into the product and the service you provide today a few things I want to try is you know any big people you've dealt with or met through your previous career that you still are in contact with today? Oh. <sighs> yeah. Do you know who I did meet? Do you know who I met last week before I left? Literally. Okay, so I'm a huge F1 fan. And this is really funny, actually, right? So we were leaving the hotel in Munich and the captain was scrolling through his phone, right? And I just happened to pass and I saw a picture of Toto Wolf. And I was like, why are you scrolling about Toto Wolf? And he's like, who? I was like, that man, his name is Toto Wolf. And he said, oh, is that who he is? And I was like, why, what happened to him? Like, you know, and he said, oh, he's in first class today. Whoa. And I was like trying to contain myself now because obviously I couldn't be <laughs> a tech professional. So I just was like, okay, I'm in the lounge. He's in first class. He was going to the Australian F1. And uh, at the end of the flight, I walked up the front stairs. This is a very strategic move by me, obviously. And uh, his suite was open. And I just passed and I was like, hi, how are you? And he obviously gave that inviting smile. Hi, how are you? Small conversation started and then it just flowed. He's the nicest man I have ever met. He took pictures of the design house. Whoa. Chatting about everything. That now for me was like, that was I could leave after I'd met him. Like It was the icing on the cake. And then there's obviously lots of other like businessmen, um, influential people from my field for example who would be very good like either mentors or people who I could ask for maybe connections that they have to put me in contact with that's when like flying for me people kept saying like why are you still doing a journey it didn't make sense after a certain point and I was very fortunate after like a certain point I didn't need it you know but I continued to do so and I'd say people I thought I was mad or that I didn't really have a business at all because why are you still flying yeah but it's all the people you met, all the countries, like you said, I went to. Like, for me, a huge part of my business is obviously seeing designs, uh, sourcing materials, seeing where other companies who I aspire to be like make their products, how they make them. So I do a lot of trips to New York, a lot of trips to London, um, and all of those layovers I would spend, like, researching, just even going looking at products. What, what, what was your route all the time? Was it to New York or was it to London or was it very... Actually, to be honest, I like I used to do London, New York, London, Paris because I used to choose these places because for me I needed to go to them. I used to always swap onto them. I'd say people again were like, "Why does she just go to these destinations all the time?" 
before we say you started realizing that the design house and interior design was something you wanted to do before that point came when you were working with Emirates were you still kind of doing that flying from A to B and subconsciously you're trying to unravel something in yourself or was it I was having great crack oh, yeah. was it just no, I'm, I'm just trying to date yeah. back as to you know were you always doing something that allowed you to get this eureka moment in to like oh yeah I want to go down this route um, because you know a lot of people could be doing stuff day in day out that perhaps that they could end up doing a having a career down the line to be honest it's funny that you say it like you know I haven't gone back to this journey in how long like and it's saying it to you like I said is it even going to make sense they're going to be like what, what was she doing you know was she just confused the whole time but it's like when you don't know what you want to do but you know you have a bigger purpose to fulfill you have to do so many things to be like okay that's not it that's not it but this is the route I want to go down so like when you think about it I started interning for that company wasn't here I'd say even nine months doing the events and I really enjoyed that and then this led on to you know it was probably like a year later I created that SNO advertisement I would think and then actually I probably misspoke it's probably about three years after I worked for that interior design company that I sat down to think what do I want to do for myself in or around then and it all snowballed from then it, that's the thing it just takes you to start people say to me how did it all start and I keep saying just start they're like do what I'm like sit down and figure out what you want to do because they're like but I don't know I'm like and how will you ever know if you don't sit down and think what am I good at what do other people need and it sounds terrible like what can you sell them but it's true like you have an ability that somebody else doesn't like for example now I'm always looking for people who have like computer skills or skills that skills that I don't have and I want to purchase it off these people, you know, I want to hire them. So I'm like, okay, expose what you have and if someone needs it, you know, it's it's perfect. It's So the best thing you could say is that literally just throw yourself into the deep end, start at something and then that lead on to something else and that lead on to something else. And as Steve Jobs says, you can you can't connect the the dots going forward, but you can definitely connect them going back and from our conversation so far. The dots have been connected since social care up to work with Emirates. Then you started throwing yourself into events. You started throwing yourself into interior design. You started throwing yourself into a number of different things. And, you know, so they, they will join together. But when you're in that moment, it's scary because you don't know where you're going. Nothing. Like, nothing at that point makes sense. Which is why I'm like, from the outside in, it looks a bit mad. Like, what are you sitting there taking notes about? I was always taking notes, like ideas, things that would just pop up, I'd be writing them down. And now, like you said, when you look back, all those dots are connected. I so, feel like this is a moment of self-reflection as well for you. Think, <laughs> you see, the thing is, Jamie, actually, like, obviously, like, it's, what day is today? The ninth? Uh, ninth, yeah. The ninth. My mom's birthday is in two days. Happy <laughs> birthday if I forget about it. <laughs> so, um, like, I only quit Emirates three days ago. And obviously, since then, Everyone's like, oh, how are you How are you doing this? And obviously now there's more like light on the design house. But you don't really take time to sit there and look at your own business and be like, oh, look what I did. You know what I mean? Like, it's this quite is how remarkable, I did it, like, right? Yeah. But when you sit here and look back like that, this, this is probably one of the things. You, as um, people even call me an entrepreneur, I'm like, is that what you call me? Like, you know? But you don't really take stock. It never really happens. 
I don't think anyone really sits there and looks at their business and like, oh, that's really good. You only look at what you haven't done, which is not really a great thing. But like, you're like, okay, I need to do this, need to do this, that could be done better. This needs to be done. So it's like times like this, which is really nice to sit there and go, yeah, okay, that's nice. Yeah. We could definitely do stage two of this uh, down the line, but uh, <laughs> let's let's bring you bring it through your during that time. How okay during that time? What was the bedrock of your of your everyday? What did you need to get done every day to make sure you're in the right mindset to help you do the self discovery and, and to be to, be, to make sure you're self aware of, of how you're feeling and what worked and what didn't work for you? Was it exercise? Was it walking? Was it breath work or, or what was it? So. This is like back when I was defining what all this was, yeah. yeah? So I used to follow this thing which Robin Sharma did, which was, so let me just tell you, for example, like your days off at Emirates are days off. It's like really like a party scene, like what do we have? Like thousands of girls here all in the same boat, all going out, right? And this is very easy to get into. Go out, sleep late the next day, go to the pool, go out again the next night. So it's very easy like to get into this. So I had to make like a really conscious decision that I'm going to put structure into my day. And like, again, what are you putting structure into, Sharon? Just enjoy yourself, right? So I used to get up really early, like five o'clock, I used to aim for. And I used to do this 20, 20, 20. So 20 minutes of exercise, 20 minutes of planning, 20 minutes of like meditation or something. I'm really bad at that, though, to be honest, the meditation. Anything slow, I'm bad at. It's, you know, it's like, I like fast pace. So I used to struggle with this, but that's what I used to do. And that's what used to lead me to sit down and plan this. And then reading at that time I read so much there wasn't a book I didn't read that's actually huge that's probably where it all really ignited I used to read books about how to start up how to make a startup like ways to build a business who you need I actually forgot about that I used to read avidly um I think one of the first books I read was Richard Branson's um Virgin Way was it is that it I think that's Virgin yeah Virgin Uh, yeah something like that yeah yeah, and I was like, well. like his journey is mad. Like from, yeah. what's that one? Um, Boy George to owning. Yeah. Like about like Boy George is how his career started, and then he owns like an airline. Yeah, it's massive brand. It's mad, yeah. like right. So I remember reading all those books, and that used to be my structure. Like that, I used to wake up in the morning and plan, and I used to read so much, and I used to always trying to make connections. So, with the obviously the events company I had. I used to be like to them, okay, so maybe I can do a different event with you or this or taking on more responsibility. My goal the whole time was obviously to learn enough to do it myself. And obviously everyone who takes on an intern is aware of that. You're learning from them. And he was a very savvy businessman. Even to this day, like I still think about like how he had everything structured within his business. And his wife actually reached out to me about three months ago um, about the design house. Like I would still know all of these people. And like I think it was like last year he helped me link up Instagram to Shopify on our website and like you know like yeah. they're still there and now we both have businesses like their business is very different he went down a different road again but still talk everything it's fab and he, he would have been like when you think about it quite a big figure back then for me whoa it's yeah. amazing how the dots are really starting to come together now and they're it's amazing. I know I said it already, but definitely, it's a, it, this is a moment of self-reflection as well for you because you can. As I'm chatting there, you're like, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, I forgot about this." Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Sharon, bring us through the start up, the, the process of starting up the design house, um, which you kind of alluded to and you touched on already. You're with Emirates, but you, you know, I suppose in, in a way, you kind of started it with. 
it wasn't a hundred percent risk because you still had a full time job. Absolutely. Um, do you think that helped you? Definitely. I mean, it was an idea, and I had all these days off, so it was perfect. Let's test this. Like the basic model of the design house came because I had all these days off, and I obviously at this point registered the company. Uh, it was like in twenty seventeen. After obviously all that pivoting back and forth, like that was my get to, like what do I want to be? So it took like what, maybe three, four years for that? Maybe three years of like pivoting all around the place. And I was like, okay, I started interior design at that point and I registered the company, which I obviously couldn't register. So my mom registered it for me. Why couldn't you register? Because with Emirates you couldn't. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I wanted it to be like a proper business. So mom, like, I owe so much to her. Like she came over literally last month. Like and I was like, look, Sheila. Like all of this is because, like you know, I don't think every parent would do that. But like, so lucky to have. Definitely not. No. Yeah, and um, registered the business. And at this point, obviously, like I flew with captains every day. So this was the first part I went into. Like actually, I remember the first captain I did his house for. Right, he took me on without knowing that I was cabin crew. Right. And I did his whole entire house, okay? And he used to come home from a trip, like, say, Washington, for example, and I would have just landed from New York, right? And we'd meet, and he'd be like, Sharon, I'm wrecked. I'm going to bed. And I'd be like, bye, off you go there, right? And we'd obviously spend the day working, right? And I'd finished his house about six months, and I'll never forget, I was in Manchester, and his name popped up on my phone, and there was a picture of me in my uniform, because on Crew Pulse, that's what this thing you have, this application for crew. Yeah. He's like, this can't actually be real, is it? He's like, how? How, right? And then actually what happened was I started to get loads of referrals within the captain community. One villa onto the next. So I did lots of these. And then, as I said, from here was the perfect basis to see, okay, so I just like designed a sitting room and I had difficulties building or finding the sofa or I had difficulties, you know, finding a table suitable. So I started looking at places to manufacture, they weren't there. I remember the first sofa I made in Dubai, it looked like the sofa, but it felt like sitting on bricks. And I faced this so many times. That was really, that, when I tried to start manufacturing myself with other companies, that was the point at which I was like, okay, this won't work, I can't manufacture. And... So initially you were, initially how do you do the interior design? Was it just, um, suggestion what they should get or, or did you always provide the product as well so typically how it would happen when you walk into someone's home is like okay if you give them a brief to buy a bookcase and take a sofa and a rug they're going to be like from where which one Yeah. so they would employ you to do like the whole house so they would give you a budget for the sofa the rugs TV unit you would do the full scope that's what I did anyway of course there are different categories and with the design you're limited because of course there's only so many furniture stores in Dubai who delivers here mm-hmm. so it's a, just a certain selection plus obviously there's very high um, budget you know furniture stores and there's lower ones and maybe like you're a mid-market so what's the product that you want I want to make it but I can't find someone to make it and then the more I got into the interior design circle I found people that all had the same issue and for me it was always sofas that was it was the sofas that got me into manufacturing I was like, I need to understand how a sofa is made. And I actually, again, like, went through a whole process. 
went and found furniture companies here and buy loads of them saw how they all manufacture them I was like but this doesn't give me the end result it looks like it but I don't have that same feeling of sitting on something comfortable in the end I ended up going to a mattress manufacturer manufacturer in Dubai to see how he made his mattress, mattresses because mattresses are obviously comfy mm-hmm. right and then I studied how he put his mattresses together and I then started manufacturing my own sofas wow so what he you thought learned, I was nuts yeah he must have been like what is this Irish one yeah yeah so when you went to study that and then you went back to the manufacturer for sofas how do you transfer that over to the manufacturers of, of sofas obviously there was one manufacturer that wasn't too bad and you built up a relationship with them how did you get to make the, the sofa like uh like nothing was easy oh my goodness like the product we have today is a labor of absolute love like it took so long like what really has to happen is that air needs to flow through the foam or the fiber that you're using because if air can't pass through it means you don't get that comfort like that sink in feeling so we have a method where we have the ability to put certain structures into the sofa for air to pass through and this is how that our, our sofas are our biggest seller because everyone that would come to the showroom would sit in the items and be like, wow, they don't feel like anything else. And I'm like, they don't because they're not made the same. So do you think the fact you were located here in, in Dubai really helped you because you could actually go and go through the whole process with these manufacturers? Um, that must have been the most testing part, was it, to get the, the sofas bang on? Like the thing is, right, okay, back to like, remember when I said I was trying to figure out um, what I wanted to be like? eight years ago the same thing okay you want to develop a product Sharon how do you start that like okay you find one person and they do something and you're like okay that's not what I want it's again a whole other journey of sitting down trying to find these faces going to see them they're closed they don't exist anymore like they don't have the products you want it's again a whole spiral to that try. journey must yeah. be difficult was it going sourcing out these factories and, and going through the whole process and let's call let's be transparent about it being a female as well going into these environments must have been quite challenging I think it was challenging for them you have a good rap more women <laughs> oh I'd say no yeah um, like it was challenging to try and convey what I wanted to build so for example like a sofa is a sofa but it's more the level of comfort that a sofa gives is what I really wanted to to convey to them like that's what we need to focus on and the quality um, was a huge thing like there's no way I would have been an easy customer but now after all these like years like they would all really want to hold on to me because okay it was difficult at the start because we had to really manufacture it it was fabulous and like that just looks good but feels good like that's the quality level that I really wanted to deliver did you just go through a lot of trial and error with, with trial yeah. error tears oh my god like I would go and I would see something which I had like explained 10 times right and it would be nothing like it and the delivery date would be to the customer the next day and how do you deal with that again like I would have had personal relationships with these people so it was always perfect they were always like super understanding and at the end when they got this product that they absolutely loved they don't care it's not like I was like okay you know you're going to get something mediocre like they're like okay we love it and it was always okay but like each product that was developed had a different 
um, area which was just that that part to get right that you know took you know so long like stitching or like plus I'm an absolute perfectionist so I suppose it's getting that level between is perfection needed it is really like because it's a product that is of a design aspect so it has to be perfect and that drives me mad when you go into a house or a villa what's your thought process to design I suppose a lot of stuff like yeah so let's park the sofa element for a minute do you get do you get everything else manufactured as well now at this stage or do you bring it in no so now we are not an interior design company anymore now we are just manufacturers for bespoke pieces well obviously I launched the collection so now we have 41 pieces which are all our own mm-hmm. actually it's 40 um, 40 pieces that are all our own and you can shop these online all designed made by us pictured now they're for sale but you obviously can still come to us to make anything you want for your home freestanding let me just say this there's two types of clients I have one and this is how it really started was when the design house began manufacturing I did it mainly for designers okay so it was designers who came to me to manufacture for them interior designers interior designers they're like okay Sharon's after doing this she can do this for us and then their clients started to come to me being like, okay, Sharon, like you made this for us when you were with this designer. Can we have this now? And they weren't working together anymore, obviously. And it was all, you know, customers and designers. And that point when I had this base lined up, I was like, I don't really want to do design anymore. Like there's still people who I would lend a hand to like, if they were stuck, what should I put here? Of course, I'll always tell them, I think this design would look nice here. Send me the measurements of your wall. I'll go through all this. But I don't go in anymore and I don't shop for other items in other stores. It's all in-house from us. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you don't, do you still do, excuse me, this is, <laughs> <laughs> do you still do like interior design? So, no, no you, you no, no, no. But before when you did it, like, what's the thought process when you're going to host? Because, again, forgive me, no don't date this the wrong way, but it, is, is interior design very much subjective to a point where you obviously go through a lot of credible clients and they have good things to say about you, then whatever you say, they listen to it. But is it very subjective in a way at the start? Like, it is your opinion, like... Like, this is it. Like, I guarantee you have people who look at the design house and they're like, that's just a bunch of white stuff, right? White? Yeah. Why is it all white? Because <laughs> I'm obsessed. It wouldn't do in, uh, in County yeah. Kerry and I out in the, around the fields <laughs> and all that. Huh? Kids running and... In with the overalls onto the, the sofa. overalls, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually going to take home a sofa to Kerry. I was like, like, what are you doing with that here, Sharon? It lasts a week, like, you know? Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah lucky. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be doing well to last a week. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, that's so fun. Well, like you said there a second ago, like, is design subjective? Like, you know, when I used to walk into homes, right, and to design them back when I did, my first thing was, like, let's remove as much colour as possible from this room, you know, which isn't for everyone, obviously, you know, people love colour. And it's not that I'm anti it. It's just design reflects a part of you, whether you choose to display colour. Like, for me, I'm very neutral. And Mm -hmm. as you can see, like, the design house is 100% a reflection of my taste. Of course, mixed in with, like, what other people want, but... You also attract the type of clients you have by the products you have, right? Yeah. So I remember like last year I had a most fabulous customer came to me and at the time, it was two weeks before the 
current showroom I have now is was fitted out and she chose everything that was going into that showroom oh. and I remember laughing with her being like you do know that bed is coming here next week and that sofa is coming here and that and she's like no way and I remember she came back from being away for the summer and she's like you weren't lying Sharon it's literally my house is here it's kind of like the law of attraction isn't it 100% yeah, yeah. yeah like even like you know I look into so many homes that we've done like recently like we did Maeve Madden's house right and my house and Maeve Madden's house are like almost photocopy right oh. because if you like something and you attract it or I suppose if you attract it or like you're drawn to it so they were all look, like I suppose when you see like for example designer labels yep. they all have the same um, design element to them right yep. so if you have like a designer product in a home it's going to look the same in every home it's like the design house we are very obvious to identify we have a certain style that's very obvious is it an Irish style Is it does it kind of date back to your 100% no yeah no <laughs> no like does it kind of date back to when you look at your products now and and yeah if, when you look at your products upon reflection it might come come to you after this interview but do you think there's like that kind of that's because of my upbringing I want to say this now nine o'clock, and if I'm going to reflect on this, I'm not going to bed at all. <laughs> <laughs> you just wait. You be off the line. I'm like, what do you mean yeah. by that? <laughs> I'm rocking for the night. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, when you look at your products, um, do you think, oh, that my upbringing? God, you're so funny that you said this. God, Jamie, this is like a counselling session. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. I won't charge you anything for it. So when, when I grew up in Kerry, it's so funny you say this. Now I'm just thinking, all my products are very simple and they're very clean, right? So. Well, they have no choice speaking they their white no like. <laughs> so when I grew up in Kerry, like we grew up in like the most fab home, but it was like small, me, my three brothers, and my two parents, right? It was chaotic, as you can imagine, three brothers. All I used to constantly do was put things away. They'd be like, Sharon, where are my shoes? Sharon, where's this? Even to this day they're like, Don't touch that if I put it there, right? And when you think about the design house now, everything is so clean. It's so perfect, right? Which is the furthest thing from what I grew up in, right? So it's like, and that's why I always, you know, aimed for in the home, like putting this here, constantly cleaning, doing this, like, you know? And now, that's, I suppose, what the keep it, keep it, I wouldn't say simple, but keep it. It is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe simple is too much of a strong word, but you know, you know what I'm, I'm trying to say? Absolutely. Um, so what's the, okay, so a design house, you kind of started it as interior design, am I right in saying yeah, that? Yeah, 100%. And then you, you're you gone to the stage, you know, that interior design is, is, is not the forefront and you're not, you're still obviously offering that service if it comes up. You know, not really, no. Actually, no, like it's the same thing, like the journey where it started, like again, it's just one person, right? So. Yeah, bring us through the journey, yeah. So can you bring us through the journey and your team now? Yeah. As to what, it, you know, how it has changed. So like when I, I was an interior designer. Okay, so I'm flying for Emirates at the same time. Yep. I only have X amount of hours in a week. And, like, okay, so when I started it five years ago, I had small projects. And then those projects started to become much bigger, like four-bedroom villas. Like, I remember the first job, one of the first ones I did, like a play school. Like, it's a lot of time needed. It's very laborsome. And, again, just one person. So I was like, how am I going to build this and grow this? Which is always, I suppose, the thought, like when you're thinking about a business, you want to expand. Okay, so then I looked into taking on interior designers to work with me. And there was other cabin crew who were like, wow, that's your business, Sharon. And they came on board. But I was like, they still need a load of guidance. And then again, as I said, when I started looking at the products, 
there was a very clear moment in 2019 where I was like, I'm going into products. This will be my business. I'm going to develop products. And that coincided perfectly with COVID. And is that kind of unique at the moment? You know, the interior designers over here, some of them are just focused, they're just solely interior designers and you just do manufacturing. Is that what you're doing now? So actually, like, now the design house would never be known as an interior design place. Like, we are known purely for our products. People would still come and want us to design for them. But for me, it's... I really have to define like what the business is, you know? Mm-hmm. And last year, like I took on the most fab guy, his name was Jesse, and he did some design. But what happens is, at the end of the day, they come looking for me. So they're like, you know, could Sharon come or could she do this for us? And I just have to choose, am I going to build a business or am I going to work in the business? And that was really clear. And it's more even this year, I'm very much like, we don't really do that service. And how many is in your team now? What's the organizational structure as such? Like, what departments do you have? Or is it just still a team of three or four people? So, uh, we, we're expanding now, right? So we just took a new showroom. Mm-hmm. So the current space which I have now is... 4,200 square feet? That's coming now in like two weeks, 4,200 square feet. Where is that? Uh, just in Umskeen, just off Alcos. All right. Yeah. Um, so the team as we are now has a base in the showrooms. There's two girls there. Then there's one in each factory, right? But then also, like this year, I just came back from India in the start of May we've taken on another three rug com- or manufacturing companies there. So we have an agent in each one of those now for us also. So like this year in itself, I've seen huge growth. Uh, and then we have a lot of people who are freelance for us, who would run the back end of certain things, like the graphics, the like each product that we develop. I suppose product's quite interesting. Like when we develop a product, it has to go from concept to design. Mm-hmm. And this design is really like, it's meticulous down to like the millimeter. And all of those have to be drawn and developed. So there's team people who do that. And then we just launched our website last week. Mm-hmm. So we have the back end for that. So the two people are taking in orders and one person the development. Then I have my core team in the showroom. That's Eileen. She's like my right hand lady. And there is Kenza. Kenza is a French student. She came over and she's working with us now mm-hmm. for the summer. She's fab. And the, the biggest addition now this year is our rugs. Like, this really is the next area for expansion for us. Like, I spent four days in India on my own and in start of May, and it was huge. Like, I had been importing from India for a while, and I had one factory. But when I went this time, it was to nail down the factories who I wanted, who necessarily didn't want someone as small as me, but had huge companies on their books. Like, this won't mean anything to you, but, like, there's a company in New York called Restoration Hardware. Mm-hmm. they to me were like they still are and anyone who's into design will know these like I just signed with a rug company in a line in this factory that also had restoration order like that was like and it passed out you know and their their team of designers had been there two days before I was which is like you know like the exact same space that I sat in designing our rugs that team from New York, sat in the exact same space designing their rugs, you know? Oh. It's like when you look at all these huge companies, at the same time they do all the same things you do, just they have massive teams and budgets in place, and until a certain point, you're just bootstrapping it to understand at the same time how to do it. Again, forgive me, I might be completely off the record or off the scale here, but 
is your brand on the product? Have you a logo on the product or, you know, is it say made by... It's so funny you say that. I've gone over this so many times. I have left the products unbranded for now. Because I feel like when you look at something, I want you to think like, okay, that looks like something that the design has made. I don't know if I'll put a tag in it in time, but like, again, I said, like I went into so much effort to make the products look a certain way. Like, I never, I made tags, but I never liked how they looked on them. They were either felt a little bit cheap or like they didn't sit right or I didn't like how they bent. So now they're all unbranded at the moment. Will they stay that way forever? I don't know. Let's see. I'd like a tag that's as nice as our products, if that makes sense. I'm looking into metal ones now that when you put your hand under a table, you will feel our logo. So that's oh. how you would know what the, the design has. Not necessarily that it would be on the side of something yet. Jeez. You're very interesting with you. And what do you think differentiates what you do from competitors mm-hmm. or is there competitors here in Dubai? Yeah, actually like more, I think now like in the last year, even like another competitor would have cropped up. But I suppose our USP is like we have not really actually ever advertised. Now with the launch of the website will be our first time doing, having an online store. Um, do you think it's important that you know when you do these products or when you put these products into to villas or, or, or apartments that when the owner um, posts about it does that bring traffic through your, your social media and your website that's exactly like that for me is the most important thing and that and to be honest that builds the brand credibility and brand awareness as well like you know organically in a way that's exactly it plus like I get so many people who come to me and they're like, hey, we'd like to do a collaboration, okay? And I'm like, I can't do it. So I've worked with a lot of people and I'd say that people think that they that they got it for free. They did not. Like, I've never given away one product for free. So the testimonials that come back are real testimonials. Because, like... They're not paid sponsors. They're not paid sponsors, you know? Because... Yeah. A paid sponsorship, okay, you better say nice stuff because you got it for free, but what's the point? I really want people to have that trust in the brand that it is what it is. And also, I suppose, like you asked, what differentiates us from anyone else? It's like I said, I still connect with everyone. Will I be able to do this forever? I don't think so. And that's a difficulty for me, like letting go. Like, you know, imagine like I've had this baby in my hand for so long and now we're expanding. I have to... Delegate, like delegate, three, right? Man. And I remember, like when I took on my first, first employee, I was like, "How can I do this? She's not going to know what I'm thinking. How is she going to know what to do?" And now she's my right hand lady, and it's about taking the correct skill set to fulfill that position, and then just trust that they can do it. You can't micromanage. You can't, you know, constantly be on top of everyone and everything. I have to let go, but they all have the same foundations. Like, you know with Emirates, for example, right? With Emirates, we're all from a million different countries, backgrounds, all different, colors, everything. Some connection is there. Exactly. So how do we deliver our service? It is done in a way that you, we all look like when we have our hats and faces and everything on. Faces, that's makeup, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Good old Kerry coming out there, Ratmore. (laughs) (laughs) We all look the same, right? So I'd say like customers would struggle between like 
who was that girl that served me? Because there's a level of service, right? So obviously I'm Irish and we're all very um, approachable, chatty. The people who I would employ, they would have all those certain traits as well. So that when you come in, it's a very friendly experience. It's very open. You're not judged. Like, for example, you're sitting there now and you don't know anything about interior design, right? I haven't a clue, no. And that's how it should be because why else would you come to our store if you knew? If you knew, you wouldn't want, you know, you'd just order something online. Whereas when you come to us, it's like, again, we solve a, or we solve a problem. Sharon, I don't know what to do with this. That might sound silly. How can I put something there? It's not silly. You're not supposed to know this. We can walk you through this. And that's our USP. Like, that... I think every customer we've ever had, I can actually confidently say this, will come back to us. I can actually put my hand in my heart and say that. Like, did we ever have hiccups? 100%. But did everything in the end come up fabulously? Yeah. Our main um, customers are word of mouth or return business. Like, because you know here in Dubai you move a lot. Mm. So for example, like we just did a lady's full entire home, right? And now she's getting offers for it to sell it. So she's going to sell it and move. And we'll do her next home. You know what I mean? Like, that makes me really happy. Like, really, really happy. Like, when, when someone texts me and says, like, you know, I'm so happy I found you. Like, you've literally made my house, like, so beautiful. Like, there's one lady, like, she got... I suppose it's hard to say, like, that there was another company that did bad, but, like, she didn't get a level of service that she wanted from them and she lost a lot of money, right? Yeah. And then she found us and she is just so happy that she has someone she can trust, right? And I suppose being Irish, right, we all like to think that we're, I think we all like to act like at least that we're honest human beings, right? Yeah. And that's definitely reflecting through the design house, you know? Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. And it's that, I suppose it's that, you hate to bring it back to that and what you touched on there, it's the Irishness and the openness and the honesty. Um, that's kind of, I suppose, that's the culture and the background we have and different backgrounds don't have that you know when you come to countries like this you see people from different different backgrounds and they maybe we're too honest at times but it does help us to stand out in situations like that it does and like i've been burnt like my god i think everybody's in business like you learn your lessons from like making mistakes you know or like having one pulled over on you right but it happens to you once it doesn't happen again you just learn from those things you don't have to become as hard as them you just you just learn as you go Uh, right. What are the goals for the company going forward? Where do you see this uh, this going? Do you see this coming to Europe or Ireland at any stage, or will it be a baby here? No, we are already exporting. All oh, right. Yeah. So we just sent a container like to Ibiza there last week. Ibiza. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Um, Jesus. Full container. Yeah. She. Um, Whoa. That's remarkable. Yeah. The thing is, like, we do export. We just sent like a table there to Kuwait the other day. Um, but it's the cost of shipping now after COVID. It's extortionate. So you either need to have a limitless budget where it's just for fun that you're sending a table, which obviously is, you know, not everyone yeah. has this. But if you send a full container of items because you're after creating every product and you're sending it, then it's an investment. Like you found someone that you like to make your products and now you're shipping them abroad. Rugs will go, rugs will go, go global. Um, this I will do. Like rugs are early stages yet, but like this is really for me a huge area of expansion. Like all those samples that I created at the start of the month, they're almost finished now. 
And obviously when I was there in May, I didn't know I was going to take a new showroom. Like that literally only happened on the 23rd of last month. So those 4,200 square feet are all going to have stuff, like obviously rugs and items put in there. So I think that will, re like think about like the process of furniture. It started, or just started with rugs. That I think will take the design house uh, further afield. Where do you see the company in five years time? I know if I asked you five years ago, where do you see yourself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose if you'd asked me a month ago, right, if I would be expanding from our current showroom, I'd probably have said, no, I'm happy there now, right? But sometimes situations and circumstances arise that you have to know when to move, right? Yeah. And that just happened. Like, the opportunity arose. I was like, okay, that's a huge space, and let's go for it. So, will I continue to do that? Yeah, I will. But I won't take risks that will put me in a position where I could jeopardize something. I don't need it to be... Like, I suppose when I said, like, I created the design house from minimal risk the whole way through, and I'll continue to do so. Like, I won't over exceed my limits just to have a brand that looks a certain way. Like, it will always be within my limitations to ensure that it doesn't, you know, crash and burn. Because it's very easy to get ahead of yourself and be like, that's a really cool space there. But it's like maybe a million dirhams per year, you know? Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 So it's very quick then that, you know, a business that which you built from nothing could be evaporated overnight because you have to shut it down, you know? Yeah. It's all about, yeah. So back to the question I asked, where do you see yourself in five years? Well, that. Not really, no. I did. I said, I'll keep taking those steps. And see where you end up, yeah. Okay. Do you see yourself in, do you see yourself bringing the products to say outside the UAE yeah so we'll continue to ship so anyone who makes like a purchase which is a bespoke order we will ship can I see us wanting to go to Europe with rugs yeah even America like Australia this is all in the scope of that but furniture I question mark this I'll tell you why because for example say you order um, a sofa from us yep. and it gets to Ireland what happens if it got damaged in the container on the way? Yes, the problem, yeah. You see? So it's like, I'm really risk averse in some ways. Like, there are some ideas which I've thought about. For example, maybe I will open a factory in the UK somewhere. And we could manufacture from there and ship out. Which then Brexit happened, right? And all this kind of stuff. So you're like, that changes everything. But if I was to ship in Europe, I probably would have to either have a store where we would hold stock. Let's see. Then maybe I'll listen back to this podcast in five years and be like, geez, remember when I thought that wouldn't be possible? Sounds like the hardest discussion I've ever had with someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, um, you know, I know you were, you were, you were uh, given this question of how to avoid startup failure. Um, you know, you're five years into the project now, into your business. If something was ever to go wrong and if it is failure, I think it's only failure if you think it's failure you're always learning something you know um, but how would you answer that how to prevent startup failure so because I get the feeling that you think that the company is only starting now seeing as you can fully invest in it would I be right in saying that do you know what I mean it took five years to get to this point no, and you're, 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 you're you know balancing two jobs growing a company and you're working full time now you're you can fully immerse yourself into this the show's only starting now. 
Like it gives me like nervous excitement. Like I say to people, like I get dizzy. Definitely not sleeping tonight. Going. No, please, right. Jesus. <laughs> my head goes so much. I'm like, okay, especially now with the new space. I'm like, what are we going to do in it? And I have to calm myself a little bit. But to answer your question, what, um, how to avoid startup failure? Right. Yes. Startup failure. Like, you need to know. Like, is your what? What's your goal with with the startup? Right. Okay. So for me, like as you can see, I started on a journey. Right. I think I might be wrong in saying this, but it's obviously very evident from our conversation that where I started and where I am now, it wasn't linear. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think with a lot of people, it's not a straight line. Mm-hmm. So pivoting is the thing. Like what you think you want to be and then a gap in the market and then you pivot and then you pivot and you constantly have to like for example the products I'm doing now will that change again maybe we'll have to go for a higher end product maybe I'll have to you know go for a more affordable product maybe we have to change material it's constantly pivoting maybe I'll realise actually a store is not the way to go maybe we need to go back to just being online and it's probably been okay with that is the big thing because some people might be okay with that because they'd be focused you know what I mean they might be like I want it to be like this you have to I do feel like you need to like 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 you asked me like are we interior designers or are we like we are a furniture company I think you need to know what you are but then within that you can pivot mm-hmm. of course like if, if you're selling bread you're not going to be going developing shoes the next day but you know what I mean it's like within what you are pivot like so if you're just in a store go online see that gap in the market but you have to know what you're not good at like it's that back to that self-reflecting what is missing what are our customers saying asking for that feedback you know brutal and if it's not coming it means you're doing something right if it's coming let it flow you know uh, and being self-aware and pivoting yeah who has been the most famous person you've met that's total wolf <laughs> not even Longoria no no, it's not Eva Longoria. Oh my God, that's so funny. So years ago, me and Ollie were in Vegas. Ollie Fevere, the man who uh, sponsors this podcast. And um, my God, is that like 15, 18? Like years and years ago, Jeez. we were in Vegas. And we were walking through, and this is actually my first time being in the US. I was only 21, I think, at the time. And um, we were walking through a casino in Vegas. And I remember being like, Eva! <laughs> Pure carry like. And I remember Ollie being like, "Ah, uh, Sharon." I was like, "That's Eva." He's like, "I was like Eva Longoria." And at the time, you remember Desperate Housewives? Yeah, that was in its prime, I suppose. That yeah. was in its prime. She obviously didn't stop because I looked like a lunatic. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah. Can you compare the Sharon that left Kerry ten years ago to the one that's sitting in front of me now? How much have you changed? think I'm still actually very much the same in in certain ways like how has your life changed how have you changed and how has your life changed how have I changed it would be more I suppose the environment I'm in which has shown me what's possible like by being here like I was exposed to so much opportunity right so that part of me, I suppose, has changed, right? Mm-hmm. What I'm supposed to be capable of achieving because of what I'm exposed to. But me as a person, I think I'm, I'm I think I'm very, very similar to what I was. You know, I still had the same fab group of friends I had when I was home. Like, still the same. Like, I go home at the end of the month. 
it'd be the exact same things we do if I had any notions or anything like you know from living in Dubai but you're here yourself like it's very normal right yeah it is it's, it's uh, one question I always ask people is how did your perception differ to the reality of Dubai like and that's you might actually give an insight into that had you a preconception of the place before yeah oh, like yeah. so like there's obviously the glitzing so I was here remember like in the March before I moved yeah. for that brief holiday but holidaying and living here to do completely, completely different that. completely different and like my brother just moved here now right okay so like it's like I have family here now so you, it's like you have if you have a really good circle of friends like I'm very fortunate like most of my circle of friends like are Irish or we all know each other in certain ways from home and so it's like having a fab circle of friends here that you live in a great city that you can do loads of stuff. It's it's not like you know you are in you know a five star restaurant every night of the week. Okay, you can go there, but like it's not your day in day out. No, no, right? It's but it's not. just a fun, fun city to live in. Like, do you have a morning routine? Do you have a morning routine that you that you do? Maybe not every morning, but the majority of the mornings. Morning routine for me, um, I like. I have to get up early, but I'm the worst for it. Like, I'm really bad. Okay, like, so <laughs> how does that balance up? I have to do it, right? It's like yeah. discipline, right? Like, I, if I could, I would snooze for five hours. Obviously, cannot do that. So, morning routine is that when I get up, I would typically try and go to the gym. Mm-hmm. So, like, for example, even though in saying that, it's actually, I'm only fooling myself. When I get up, my morning routine is I actually have to go through everything straight away. And it's not a good thing to do, but there will be certain things we like to get on top of before other people wake so what time do you get up? about 5.36 so and I would like to get up earlier but like if you don't get to bed till like 12 how are you supposed to get up at like you know yeah so it's that balance of like getting enough sleep plus when I worked for Emirates like I didn't sleep at all I would finish work at like 7 o'clock and go to New York at 10 right Jeez, so yeah. it was mad so now I'm trying to get, well I will try and get a bit of sleep trying back trying to adjust yeah <laughs> but sorry we keep going on tangents no you're okay, okay, it's, okay. Um, so in the morning when I get up I'll try to plan actually so it'll be like I'll get like a certain amount ticked off from what came in through emails or orders or clients stuff like this because when they wake the factories they will ask for because they all ask me so everyone has to ask you know which is why I obviously need to diversify a team more so I will get through this in the morning for maybe like the first hour, 45 minutes. Then I'll go work out, come home. And my day then from once I get going, it's very structured. It's like, have to be here by eight, have to be done by there for half nine. Have to, and I have to set all alarms that I need to leave at this time to get to the next place. Jeez. I have to, yeah. It's not like, I think people are like, oh, working for yourself is so like, you know, glam, but. You don't need to sleep. I'm the same. I, I half four, five. I used to always be up at like yeah. and get sleep at twelve, and you're just on Red Bull. And yeah. So. Counterintuitive, to be honest, but so yeah, no, I definitely understand where you're coming from. When the, there's something really special and therapeutical about the mornings, um, and uh, all the high performance people I have spoken to, and I do think you're you're definitely going down the right route, is that they're morning people. Yeah. They get up in the morning. They do a workout in the morning. They're they're uh, win the morning, win the day with that. That's in definitely. That's a million percent true. Like if I don't get a good start to the day, I'm chasing myself for the day. Yeah. Like if I don't get on top of, and I know people are going to say it's so unhealthy, but like it's if I don't do that hour of organisation, planning, and responding in the morning, getting on top of things. Like my main thing in the morning will be sending instructions to people for before they wake. 
So like when you get to work and you do this, when you get to I'll be like, I can't get rid of her. I swear to God, I'm like, and I write, please don't respond. And I, they would all turn their phones on silent anyway, you know. But it's like sending those instructions in the morning so that like, say if my first meeting is at nine yep. and there's five deliveries going out, it's making sure that the people are responsible for those have all the information that all of these places, that everything runs smooth. Mm-hmm. So that then when I go into my first meeting at nine, I'm not getting 10 calls. So it's that planning. For me, it all comes down to rigorous, rigorous planning. That morning time, yeah. I have a lot of questions to ask you about suppliers and how they source this and that, but we're only going to go down another rabbit hole if, if I do that. But I want to kind of bring it back to the, and bring it down to the last few questions. Um, do you, and I do probably think you do from, from chatting to you, but do you practice visualization, whether naturally or, or subconsciously? Um, I suppose visualization comes through chance you like I don't sit down and visualize no but subconsciously if, it probably does happen 100% like every day when I'm driving right okay all I think about is like what's next how will that look like what can we do together like how will that end up looking for them like what's the next so like that in itself is visualization you know definitely um yeah definitely I loved in the podcast on this um, what are two daily non-negotiables it's funny you know people are always like oh make your bed I'm like who doesn't make their bed right yeah. <laughs> yeah. that sounds really bad not judging anyone right <laughs> but like I literally get out of bed and five minutes later it's made right and um, the other non-negotiable is it would have to be that there is a there is a plan there has to be, I can't start out a day like not knowing that it's just like freewheeling it. Yeah. Can't work. Yeah. Have you a motto that you live by? A motto that I live by. Okay, so it's probably this one. I think it's when, yeah, so it's probably, you can make excuses or you can be exceptional, but you can't be both. Brilliant. On that note, let's wrap it up. Sharon, thanks so much for taking time out from an Inside View podcast. I really appreciate it and best luck with, with everything going forward. Thank you so, so much. So lovely. And you too. Good to have you over here, Jamie. That is all from us on this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Sharon. Please do get in contact with the show if you'd like to contribute any way possible. And be sure to rate, review and tell your friends family about an Inside View podcast. We'd really appreciate it. Also, follow us on social media if you haven't done so already. We're on all social media platforms and do click follow on whatever uh, podcast platform you listen to your podcast on. That's all from us. Have a lovely week and be sure to tune in again next week. We have another exciting guest. Till then, stay safe and remember, cred on a fin. Talk to you all soon and thank you all for listening.